Amen. Let's take our Bibles tonight and open together, please, the book of 2 Peter, chapter number 1. 2 Peter, chapter 1, we've come a long way just in uh, the few messages that God has brought us through here in this opening chapter of this epistle. And we come tonight to perhaps maybe even the most familiar portion of Scripture as it pertains to uh, the book of 2 Peter. Oftentimes when, uh, when Peter is mentioned, of course, he, uh, or this particular book is quoted concerning the Word of God and the authority of Scripture. And I'm thankful for the Word of God. Aren't you glad that you have the Bible? Aren't you thankful that you have, that you actually have God's Word? And that you don't have to question it, you don't have to wonder, that you can, by faith, follow the Lord because we have in our hands tonight, the very copy of God's Word. And uh, we're very thankful for its authority. And, and may I tell you, everything that you do for the Lord in your life will stem from this book. Um, I know that my God is able. I know that my God is a God who hears and answers prayer. I know that my God uh, is a God who chooses to use uh, people like us. Uh, for His glory. I know my God is a God who, who loved us so deeply that He sent His only begotten Son to die in our place, pay for our sin, and rise again from the grave. I, I know that my God is able to save me to the uttermost if I come to Him by faith. I know that my God, is, that, uh, my God has reserved, or prepared, I'm sorry, a place for me um, that where He is, there I may be also. I know my God has promised to come again and receive, him, receive me unto, him, unto Himself. And I'm thankful that, that you and I have God's Word. What are you doing with God's Word tonight? Of course, this morning we, we made mention of that, that God wants us to be in remembrance or, or constantly seeking revival and uh, to pursue the things that, that we know, to pursue a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ, to, to be established in the faith, uh, to, to take a stand and not to quit. But why can we do that? What is the authority upon which we stand? What gives us the right uh, to do such a thing? Is it not the Word of God? And tonight as we, as we come to the Word of God, let us stand together. I want to read a passage of Scripture tonight, beginning in verse number 16. Again, of all the passages in 2 Peter, this, I mean, there's so many. I mean, you, you remember the opening part of the chapter of, the, of these things, and, and the Bible references uh, uh, in, in chapter 3 that the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. All of these things, the future, uh, so, so, much, uh, uh, so much prophetic events that will unfold, yet we come here. Why does it even matter? Because of what Peter addresses tonight, beginning in verse number 16 to the end of the chapter. Notice what the Bible says, 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. The Bible says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. In this voice which came from heaven we heard, when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture 
is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Father, we're thankful that we have your word tonight. Lord, as we, as we look in this passage of Scripture, which addresses uh, the veracity uh, of, of the Bible, uh, Lord, we're thankful that, that it is true and that we can base our lives upon it. Uh, Lord, we're thankful for the foundation that you have laid for us in your excellent word. And Lord, so tonight we pray that you'd order our thoughts, God, that you'd order our speech, Lord, that, that your work would be accomplished in our lives this night, that our faith would be strengthened, and with great resolve that we would follow thee. Lord, we pray tonight that you would use this time to help us grow in the Lord. Lord, whatever decisions need to be made tonight, we ask God that you'd lead us to make them. And that these decisions would not just be decisions for a moment but decisions for a lifetime. And so, Lord, we pray for your leadership, for your help tonight. Lord, may we leave here changed, transformed, more like Christ. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture is, is packed full of truth. I mean, there have been books written, volumes written on these verses alone. And I'm thankful that you and I have God's Word. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have the Word of God. The Bible tells us that there was the faith which was once delivered unto the saints in Jude, verse number 3. But if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention tonight to a, few, to a few expressions. First two is, uh, the first two will, are, are, uh, are, are significant, and the third would be what we're going to do, or our responsibility with it, with those two. The Bible says, in verse number 16, note the expression, we have not followed. Would you note the statement, we have not followed? And down in verse number 19, the Bible says, we have also a more sure word. I want you to, to take those, and I want you to draw a line connecting the two. We have not followed. We have also a more sure word. And in the, middle, in the midst of verse number 19, I want you to note the statement, ye do well that ye take heed. Ye do well that ye take heed. There's so many things going on in the world today, isn't there? I mean, you can look around, and, and, and there's always been the, the undercurrents in society that, that would work to, to lead God's children astray, that would, that, that would work to undermine the authority of God's Word, that would work to deny its, its inspiration, that work to deny its authority, its preservation, its applicability, its truth for today. It's not some archaic, outdated book. It is the very Word of God that is forever settled in heaven. Remember, even from this morning, the Bible makes a statement in uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 12. It says, be established in the present truth. The present truth, of course, is the Word of God. The Word of God is not former, it's not future, it's now. Uh, the Word of God is just as true today as it was when the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. 
of the Word of God is just as true today as it's ever been. The Bible says, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Christians, you have God's Word. Where it's not some cunningly devised fable. The world is full of all kinds of, of craziness, of all kinds of, of, of wickedness and, 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 and debauchery. I'm studying uh, now, I just, just started a class, uh, uh, Systematic Theology uh, 2. It's, it's great. It's, it's encouraging. It's, it, it helps me. And I pray because it helps me, I pray that it helps you as well. Uh, uh, but who is Jesus? You realize I, there have been movements of the past that they, they work to, to identify the historical Jesus. There, there's, a, there's a movement, the Jesus from above or the Jesus from below. It's, it's, it's quite interesting. But may I tell you that, that if the Jesus from below doesn't match the Christ from above, it's, it's the wrong Jesus. We, we understand who Christ is based upon the authority of God's Word. We know that there is a Jesus. History tells us so. Uh, you, can, you can look and you can read the works of, of Josephus Flavius, and, and you can see the, the great uh, uh, Jewish historian as he describes the work of Christ and, and traces the history of God's people. Uh, but we look and, and we understand that God's Word is true. And, and we have a more sure word. So the, the works of Christ, uh, the gospel records, the book of Acts, the, uh, it's, it's real. It's true. Your faith is the true faith. Look back in, in 1 Peter chapter number 5. The Bible says, um, I saw it here a minute ago. The Bible says in verse number 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, But the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Uh, Silvanus, uh, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is, notice, this is... The true grace of God wherein you stand. The true grace. Christians, we're not following some cunningly devised fable. There's all kinds of stories. There's all kinds of, uh, of works that have been written that would deny uh, the, the authority of Scripture, the inspiration of God's Word, that would, that would undermine its authority in our lives, that would, that would distort uh, who Jesus truly is calling our, our very salvation into question. And here we have Peter. He says, listen, we have not followed those things. Why? Because we have a more sure word. Aren't you thankful that you have a more sure, more reliable word, more trustworthy than anything this world has to offer? We, we, we live in a world that is void of truth, not because it's not available, but because it's ignored and cast by the wayside. We have truth. We have God's word. 
The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And as God has given us His word, He tells us there in verse number 19, look again, He says, Ye do well that ye take heed. God has given us His word. We have a more sure word. We don't follow cunningly devised fables. So what is our responsibility to God's word? It's to take heed thereto. And God says, Ye do well that you take heed thereto. What does that mean? It means the best thing you can do, the most beneficial thing you can do in your Christian life, you do well that you take heed thereto. What does God want? God simply desires obedience. God has given us His Word it's amazing to consider the, the mirac- how miraculous that is. How God inspired man to pen his word. And that they got it right. They got it all. There was nothing lacking. There was nothing missing. There was nothing added. These men wrote the very words of God. And that God has not only inspired them for us, but that He has preserved them for us. And now God calls His people to simply obey. If you take out your prayer list from uh, from this month, our 30 days of prayer, one of the first things that we prayed for, of course we're praying for revival, for God to do a work in our hearts. But on day two, back on January 3rd, how many of you can remember back to January 3rd? I didn't think so. We prayed for obedience. Won't you hold your place here in, in First Peter? I'm sorry, Second Peter, chapter one, and look all the way back in the book of First Samuel. First Samuel is an amazing book. It's it highlights the life of the man that that uh, it's whose name it bears, Samuel, from his from his birth to his ministry, his anointing of King Saul to be the the king over Israel. It's his anointing of, of David to be the, the next king over all of Israel. It, his dealings with, with the children of Israel. But it comes here in, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we find uh, the story of Saul. Saul had so much promise. Saul was, uh, was heads and shoulders above all the people of Israel. Yeah, he looked the part. But I don't want to just look the part. You know, we can, we can, we can look the part, can't we? It is easy uh, to fool people. I don't want to just look the part. I want to be the part. In other words, I want to be real. I want my life to be true. I want my life to be genuine. I want who I am to be the same, uh, both in front of you, in my home, and in private. And God calls His people to be obedient. I believe that obedience is the hinge upon which God's blessing swings. Do you want God's blessing? God honors obedience. If we look here in in 1 Samuel chapter number 15, we find that that Saul disobeyed. They defeated the the Amalekites, but they they kept the livestock, and they didn't kill the king, and, and, and Samuel shows up, God told them to destroy it all. 
Don't keep any of it. Not, kill it all. They, because they sinned against God and his people. They withstood the nation of Israel in the wilderness. And so now, it's time to go to war. And God gives a great victory. The enemy's defeated. But the children are disobedient. As the prophet Samuel, as the judge Samuel comes and he hears the noise of all the livestock. He hears the, the cattle mooing. He hears the sheep. He hears the goats. He sees the king. And you know what? Saul had a great excuse, didn't he? Well, I was going to say, I'm saving these for God. God never asked you to save them for him. And Samuel shares something very revealing about God's desire concerning his people. Look what the Bible says in verse number 22. It says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. What did God say? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, he says, For behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. Well, hey, I saved all of these to sacrifice to God. I said, oh, I don't want those. I just want you to obey. You know what? God doesn't care what you can bring him. God doesn't care what you have. Understand the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he wanted to provide Israel with a whole herd of cattle or sheep, it was within his power to give them to them. He says to obey is better than sacrifice. Ye do well that ye take heed. It's better to obey. And that's the, that's the, the clarion call that God, that God pronounces even now. Still the same today in 2022 as it was all the way back in the Old Testament time when King Saul ruled over Israel. The Bible goes on to say in verse number 23, he says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. And notice in verse 23, God's response to Saul's sin, to Saul's disobedience, to Saul's rebellion, because all disobedience, Christians understand this, all disobedience is rebellion. The Bible says, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he, who is He? The Lord, Almighty God, Jehovah, He hath also rejected thee from being king. Christian, what do you want? Well, that's a question only you can answer. What do you want from life? 
you know, we, we want to live long and prosper, right? We want to do all these things. We want, we want God's blessing, don't we? We want God to honor His work. We want God to honor our lives. We want God's blessing upon our home. That's what we're praying, even today. Peter says, ye do well that ye take heed. Samuel tells us, obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. So, what is our response to God's word? I pray that, that our response would be that we take heed. Christians, it's good to obey God. Do you know why it's good to obey God? Because God loves you. Everything His Word communicates to you, it communicates in love. Some would say, well, if I obey God, then I can't. Well, you can't do what? You know what? I've never read in God's Word that I can't do anything of true significance. God's word, may, God's word may act as guardrails for my life to keep me becoming shipwreck and ruining my testimony and ruining his testimony. Let me tell you, whatever God's word says, it says because he loves you. And he wants what is best for you. So if he tells you you shouldn't drink alcohol, he does so for a reason. If he tells you that you shouldn't go down uh, uh, and spend time with a strange woman... He does so for a reason. He, he does these things. Why? Because he loves you. Because he wants what is best for you. And, and so as Peter writes, he says, Ye do well that ye take heed. It is good to obey. It's good to obey God. May, may we even rephrase that. It's best to obey God. It's best. God's word is our authority. And I pray that God would help us tonight see just a few lessons here that will help us respond properly to the authority of His Word. Notice the first lesson that we find, look back in 2 Peter chapter number 1, is, is the lesson concerning our following. We must follow the right things. We must follow the right things. Peter says in verse number 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He says, we did not follow. We have not followed. We will not follow. Who have you decided to follow? The world wants you to follow its system. Look over just a couple pages. The book of 1 John chapter 2 in verse number 15. 1 John 2.15, the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. God desires that you follow Him, that you follow His Word, that you do His will, that you obey 
the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter uh, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's desire is for you to know him as your Savior, for you to obey the truth. Look what the Bible says back in, in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. In verse number 4, the Bible says, Who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. God's desire for you, first and foremost, is that you would not follow the world, but that you would learn to follow Jesus. The Bible tells us in, in Ephesians chapter number 5, turn there with me if you would please, Ephesians chapter number 5, in verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Ephesians 5 verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. God wants you to genuinely follow him. Look back at the gospel records in, in Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. We see here uh, that God, that Jesus, has called us to a life of following him. What does it mean to be a disciple? It means to be a follower of Christ. In Matthew chapter number 4, in verse number 19, the Bible says, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What does Jesus say? He says, Follow me. Peter, who are the ones that, that received the command to follow? Was it not Simon Peter? Look what the Bible says. In, in verse number 17, he said, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called whom? Peter. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Christians, understand that... that that Peter is speaking, he's sharing his personal testimony. He says, he says, hey, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables. He's followed Jesus. Just follow the Lord. Christians, you've got to learn to follow the right thing because the world does not want you to follow the right thing. Look back in, in Colossians, if you would, please. In Colossians chapter number 2, we see here one of the key verses in the book of Colossians, in chapter 2 and verse number 9. The Bible's, I'm sorry, verse number 8. Verse number 9 is pretty spectacular too, but let's focus on verse 8 for a moment. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. The Bible says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. And not after whom? Christ. Why? Because who has God called you to follow? He's called you to follow Him. Don't follow the world. Don't follow the world's system. Don't follow the world's philosophies. Don't follow the world's ideas. Don't follow the world. Just follow the Lord. He says, we have not followed. We have a more sure word of prophecy. You do well that you take heed thereto. What's the second lesson that we learned back in in 2 Peter chapter number 1. And I think this is, a, this is a difficult one. 
And uh, we'll make an application here. But we must not get caught up in the nostalgia of life. How many of you are nostalgic? To a sense, all of us are. The other day, my wife, we, 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 every now and then we just look at our kids and think, man, what happened to you? I mean, you used to be itty-bitty, but now you're eating me out of house and home. Right? What is the deal? And we reminisce. And we think back to what we, we, we would call the, the good old days. Why were they good? What made them good? Well, there's something unique about the memory that stirs our, stirs our hearts, that warms our hearts, that brings joy and gladness to our heart. We're nostalgic. Here, in 2 Peter chapter number 1, I believe Peter is sharing a nostalgic story. I mean, it would, that would be incredible. How many of you have ever had, had uh, I hate to use the word, but have you ever experienced something that is just, has just stuck with you? I mean, there are, there are highlights in life, there are lowlights in life that just stick with you. Uh, the, the joys, the happiness, the blessings, but then there's trauma, traumatic events, uh, things that, that scarred you, uh, that, that you carry with you, your, your life. They impact you, they influence you. There's, we're nostalgic. God blessed us with a memory. And Peter, he's sharing a memory from his time spent with Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says in verse number 17. He says, For he received uh, from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. He, he calls us to remember the Mount of Transfiguration. Turn back in your Bibles, please, to the book of Mark. In Mark chapter number 9, Mark chapter 9, we, we see here the reference um, to this particular occasion in Peter's life. The Bible says in verse 2 of Mark chapter number 9, it says, And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and notice it says, and he was transfigured before them. And what a, what a monumental occasion this must have been to stand there and, and, and see the, the, the glory of Christ for just a moment in time. The veil of Jesus' humanity was lifted and the glory of God shined through. Jesus was 100% man. He became sin for us. The Bible says uh, in, in John chapter number 1, even the same, look back in John chapter number 1, holding your place here uh, in Mark chapter number 9. John, who was also there on the Mount of Transfiguration, references this in John chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says in verse 14 of John 1, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And then there's parentheses. Not to detract from the stated truth of, of Jesus' humanity, becoming man for us so he could die for our sin. The Bible says, and, uh, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When did they see the glory of, of Christ shine forth? It was in Mark chapter number 9. 
as the veil was lifted for a moment. As they looked and as they saw Christ standing there, and the glory of God shining forth from him, in this holy mount, what a, what a great thing that must have been. Can you imagine? I wonder what the response was. Well, we, we know what Peter's response was. When he got nervous, he, he talked. Do you ever have that problem? When you don't know what to do, you just, man, i got to fill the void here. i got to say something. That was Peter. Oftentimes, we condemn him for it. But you and I, I'm probably the exact same. But we look at what the Bible says back in Mark chapter 9 and verse 3. The Bible says this. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can, can white them. Just consider the brilliance of Jesus' appearance. The Bible says in verse number 4, besides all of that, and, and there appeared unto them Elias and Moses. So here you have Elijah and Moses. It's kind of interesting here what God references. He references the law, Moses, and Elijah, the prophets. It's amazing. He says we have a more sure word of prophecy. And we look here and he says in, uh, in, verse, it's in verse number 4, it says, And they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Yeah. I would say yes. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, it's, this is good, Lord. Thank you. Have, have you ever been... Have you ever had an answer prayer or God has brought you? Uh, I mean, there's church services that, that we've had here. Man, I'm thinking, man, this is good for us to be here. And there are, there are times when I've heard God's word preached. I'm like, man, this is good. I am glad that I am here for this. That's, that's what Peter is saying. Man, it's good for us to be here, Lord. He says, let us make, this is where he kind of got off a little bit. He said, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And Peter thinks back, and, and the nostalgia of it all. You know, if we're not careful, we begin to worship the memories rather than the Word. If we're, if we're not careful, we make, it, we make idols out of the memories of our past. And we worship and we serve the memory more than we serve the Creator God. We, we, serve, we worship God and, and we're thankful for who He is, but we just cannot let go of the past. And Peter says, listen, I was there, I was with Him in the Holy Mount, I saw Him transfigured, I heard the voice of the excellent glory. I heard God the Father's voice saying, hey, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He says, I heard the voice from heaven. We've not followed cunningly devised fables. We have a more sure word. More reliable. More trustworthy than what you have experienced in your life. More reliable than what you've seen. More reliable than what you remember. 
You know, sometimes our memories play jokes on us. You know, there are, there are times in life where my wife, we've sat down and, and we've talked about things. And she remembers things one way, and I remember it completely different. Has that ever happened to anybody? It may, quite often, I'm thinking, I don't remember that. What was yesterday? You don't remember saying that? No, I don't remember saying that. It was only yesterday. It was only five minutes ago. I don't know. We have not followed cunningly devised fables. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Ye do well that ye take heed thereto. Nostalgia. I've seen, I've heard. Sometimes we're guilty of it as Christians, aren't we? We become so fond of a place. We, we look back and we think, well, God did so many wonderful things in that place. Therefore, I'm never going to leave that place. Churches that, that once stood for truth and God worked and wrought mighty things in the past, they, well, they've abandoned that and now they're no longer taking heed thereto. But because we're so nostalgic, we've let go of the truth in the present. I'm going to make a bold statement here tonight. I hope you take me up on this. If this church ever abandons the truth of God's word, I pray that everyone in here tonight leaves. Because it's not about experience. It's not about what God did. It's about the Word of God. It's about its truth. Christian, don't be so caught up with nostalgia. Be faithful to God's Word. What's the last lesson that we learned? Look back with me, if you would, please. In 2 Peter chapter number 1. The Bible says, in verse number 19, says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. I want you to write this down. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed upon Christ. Just keep looking unto Jesus. You know, sometimes... With the nostalgia, it's easy to become distracted, isn't it? We get so worked up about what once was and now what is that we forget about what we're to do. We're to just keep our eyes on the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 19, let's look there again. He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. The word, the word dark there means obviously void of light, but void of truth. It's, it's parched. It's, there's nothing profitable there. It's speaking of the world. You know, there's nothing profitable in the world. Vanity of vanity, saith the preacher. All is vanity. Uh, life on earth, life under the sun is only toil. It's only sweat. It's only tears. There's nothing valuable in this world. It's only about Jesus Christ. We've got to keep our eyes on Him. We've got to keep the, we've got to keep the Lord at the forefront of all we do. And the Bible says, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. Who's the day star? 
It's Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says in the, in the book of Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 22. I'm thankful that one day it's all going to be over. I'm thankful that one day my faith will become sight. I'm thankful that one day I will be ushered into the very presence of my Savior. I'm thankful that I will be like Him, for I will see Him as He is. For a man that hath this hope and purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I'm thankful for the Lord. I'm thankful for the promises of God's Word. But you've got to keep your eyes on the day star. Look what the Bible says in verse number 16 of Revelation chapter 22. And the Bible says, I, I, Jesus, have sent my mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. He says, I am. What a great statement. The great I am still is. He says, I am the root of the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. You know what the day star means? It means the bringer of light. He's the bringer of light. Look what the Bible says in John chapter number 1. The Bible says in Isaiah, they that sat in darkness saw a great light. Christians, Jesus is the light. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. At the moment of salvation, the Lord has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's given you light. Jesus is the light. He's given you light, and he wants you to keep your eyes upon the light. Don't become distracted by the things of this world. Just continue living for Christ, following him. Christians, this is real. It's true. Every word Every punctuation mark, it's all true. We have not followed. We have also a more sure word. Of, and you do well that you take heed. Christian, obey the word of God. Give the Lord his rightful place. Allow God to direct your life. Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. You want God's blessing? Obey his word. Do what he says. May God help us tonight follow the right things. Help us not get caught up in the nostalgia of life. May God help us always keep our eyes upon him. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The best thing for you is to read God's word and obey it. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment,
will have a time of invitation.